All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 362, and today we are talking about books being released on May 17th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Tirza! Hello. Hello! How's it going? So nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's going pretty well, thanks. How about with you? Okay! This is my second podcast recording of the day for all the books because I'm going on my staycation and I seem to have used my allotted <laughs> amount of energy recording the first show, so I'm very sorry. So now I'm like, wow, I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> this is also my second recording of the day, so we're just going to rally and get through it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about books. I'm very excited about what we have to talk about. Um, what else? Uh, you seem to be growing cats in the mulch bags outside your house. Is that what I hear? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I think I've talked before. My town has no shelter, no sort of control of any stray cats. So they just multiply in our town. And uh, yeah, we were doing some yard work and we put a bunch of stuff in mulch bags and then we had to put it under our porch because it was going to rain the next day and I couldn't like you know, get rid of them before they were going to get rained on. So then I came out the next morning and there's just this cutest little gray cat and he's just sitting in the bulge bag and he's just like, this is my home now. And I was uh. like, oh, cutie. Um, and he's still there because I've been busy and I still haven't gotten rid of the mulch bags. But now I feel like I can't get rid of the mulch bags because that's his home now. Seriously. He needs a better home. He's like Oscar the Grouch. I know. Uh, so yeah we've got a lot of cats and sadly they're all like too skittish for us to pet yeah but then our mama kitty had kittens so yeah we're we're just like overflowing with cats on our porch right now my goodness i like cats they're pretty great my three are enough though they're yeah. a lot of work yep you know the two i have inside are awesome i wouldn't want any more than that just because you, like, you want to give them attention, too. And yeah. the outdoor cats, like, I wish, like, they could be indoor cats, but I know that I couldn't take them on. And yeah. some of them, I think, are truly just happy being outdoors. Sure. And that's okay, too. So I feed them and make sure that they have a warm place to lay. And, yeah. Oh. All right. So we talked about cats. So it's important to hit all the, <laughs> the basics that we need to discuss before we start the show. Um, what else? Let's see. It's getting very gray out. It was very sunny this morning. It's like it's like I'm recording on a whole different day now. It's gray <laughs> out now. I've lost all my energy. I'm drinking an enormous tea out of a mug that I absolutely hate because my cats broke my favorite mug a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no. So I tried to get one, like, similar to it because they don't make it anymore. And this one is just not the same. It weighs 800 pounds, first of all. I'm like, I'm too tired to lift this. <laughs> and, uh... These are, you know, the problems that I have in my house. So, all right, we are going to talk about books today. Surprise, surprise. Before we do that, I want to remind you that it is time for our Every Few Years listener survey. Take a few minutes to come tell us about what kind of podcast content you like and what you'd like more of or less of from us. Like, if you want to hear more about cats, I'm sure we can make that happen. <laughs> Go to bookriot.com slash listener survey to fill out the survey, and you will be entered to win a $50 gift card to the indie bookstore of your choice. That's bookriot.com slash listener survey. That's pretty exciting. Woo-woo. I love an indie bookstore. I was sad that I didn't get to get out on indie bookstore day, so luckily they have, you know, websites, which is awesome. Yes. So before I start telling you about my first pick... We are going to hear from a sponsor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so this one, I feel like they just like dropped the news of it at the beginning of the year and then it was like, woo, everybody was so excited and now all of a sudden here it is already. It is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Now, you probably have read an Emma Straub novel. She's awesome. She has, oh my goodness, like half a dozen novels now, I think. Books like Modern Lovers, The Vacationers, All Adults Here. But as an Emma Straub fan, I have read all of her books. And I will tell you, hands down, this is the best one yet. Oh my goodness, this book. It's about a woman named Alice who is not terribly excited about her life. Like, she feels like she should be more excited than she is because she has a great job. She's in a relationship that she's happy about. She has a really nice apartment. She has an awesome best friend. And also her father is a very famous author. But unfortunately, her father is aging. He's in his 80s and he's seriously ill. And it's weighing on her. Or he's in his 70s. I can't remember how old he is now. But he's he's elderly now. And and his illness is weighing on her. And, and she's just feeling like she's not happy. So it's her birthday at the beginning of this book. It's the night before her 40th birthday. And Alice goes to bed. But when she wakes up, something is different. Something is has changed. She's not entirely certain where she is at first. But then she is because she realizes that she's in her bedroom from when she was a teenager. And when she looks in the mirror... She is herself as a teenager. Alice has suddenly somehow woken up as her teenage self. And first she's like, this is a dream. But as it goes on, she's like, oh my goodness, what is happening? I am a teenager again. Like That just sounds like a horror story to me, honestly. I mean, nobody wants that. But she wakes up as a teenager and hijinks ensue. It's so funny. And I really liked how self-aware Alice is in this part of like being, you know, back in time. You know, she she references movies like Peggy Sue Got Married and 13 Going on 30. It's, like, very meta. Like, she's very aware, like, this is what usually happens when these things happen in these movies. And this is that, you know. And she tells her friend, who was a teenager also at that time, and, and she believes her, which is great. You know, her friend's like, all right, if you say this is what is happening, I am 100% on board. And that's awesome. I love seeing that support. Uh, so now she's a teenager. She gets to hang with her dad again. Like, her dad is, like, 40-something years old, and he's healthy, and she gets to experience him at this age again in, like, their relationship and her life. And she's trying to, like, figure out, like, how this happened, because not only does she go back in time, but she continues to return to the present day. But what she does, as we know, in the past affects her present-day life, which, you know, she keeps going back and forth. So can you learn from your mistakes... And can you change your life? Like, if you had a chance to go back to the past, can you change your life in the way that you want it to be? 
And this book is a very personal story for Emma Straub. Like, I watched an interview where she talked about it because her father is the author Peter Straub, you know, like, one of the all-time greats. And he's elderly now. He's older. And, you know, this is kind of like her relationship with him, you know, like, like our parents are aging. There's something we can do about it. But this book is just like a big hug. It's a big hug for her dad and it's a big hug for everyone. And I laughed and I cried and the book actually came with a box of tissues. Like they sent it out with a box of tissues because it did make me cry and it will make you cry. And I do want to give content warnings for mentions of illness and death of a loved one. This book is a delight. It's This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. So I have not read an Emma Straub book, but I have that one. Like I downloaded the audiobook and I'm super excited to Yay. read it because it sounds so amazing. So yes. It's a, it's a great one to start with. Awesome. Um, so my first pick for today is The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. And oh my gosh. I loved this book so, so much. Um, it is about a teenage girl named um, Yami. And she has, the very beginning of the book, you learn that she came out to her best friend. And she also kind of admitted that she had feelings for her best friend. And her best friend did not take it well. Like, basically did like a full on like, you're a creep. I don't like you like that. Get away from me. We're no longer friends, which was really heartbreaking for Yami. Also, at the same time, her younger brother seems to be getting into a lot of fights at school and it's stressing out her mom. So her mom is kind of acting like a single mom, although um, her parents are technically still married. Her father was unfortunately deported to Mexico um, several years before this book begins. So it's really hard on the family being separate. So because their mom is just like so worried about um, the younger brother, Caesar, they find out a way to get both um, teens to Catholic school. And it's this Catholic school that's a little bit of a commute, but it's supposed to be like a better atmosphere. It's a smaller school. There's better academics. And um, her mom's just really hoping that, you know, the in the impact of Catholic school will mean that her two teenagers will, you know, straighten up a little bit and, and grow up well and have all these opportunities. And so um, Yami is kind of like, OK, this is going to be a trip because she knows that she's queer um, and she knows she's knowingly going into this Catholic school thing because she's not ready to come out to either of her parents um, or her brother. And she's just like, you know what, I'm just going to try to play it straight. I'll try to be as straight as possible at Catholic school. That is difficult when she meets a um, another girl there that is very openly queer. Her name is Bo, and um, Yami is realizing, like, oh, this, you know, pretending to be straight and also keeping all my feelings to myself is pretty difficult. So I don't want to give too much away because this is not like a super plot heavy book. Although there's a lot of really great like subplots and and things keep happening in this book. Like I. Honestly, I read almost like 75% of this book in one sitting because it was so compelling. I love the voice. I love the setup. Um, I just really, really, really loved Yami's character and her struggles. When it comes to YA, especially queer YA, I think for like many years, we got like the angsty problem book where it's like, there's a character, they're queer, they can't come out. Um, it might be dangerous for them if they come out. It's so angsty. And like the book was about their journey to like self-acceptance or coming out or, you know, whatnot. And then, you know, we kind of started to see more YA books where 
people were like rejecting that sort of old sort of setup of like, no, they're teens who are out, they're supported, they can have other stories. And I fully support that. Like we do need like just, you know, a variety of stories. That said, you know, this book touches upon a lot of really important issues that, you know, might seem like they're like, oh, that's so, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, but real teens are still experiencing them today. Like, especially when you look at what is going on in the U.S. um, at the state and federal level, like, there are still teens for whom coming out and being open and being themselves is dangerous at school, at home. And I really appreciated that Sonora Reyes really tackled a lot of these issues in a really modern, sensitive context. And she just, she really pulled it off. I thought it was excellent. I did not go to Catholic school, but I went to Lutheran school for many years. So it's a little bit different. But at the same time, there were so many moments where I was like, yes, yes, yes. So even though I'm like a white girl from the Midwest, I totally related to this Mexican-American girl and her struggles in Catholic school and with her sexuality. Just some content warnings. There is some, you know, overt homophobia on the page. There's also discussions of mental health struggles and depression and a little bit of um, like passages that kind of touch upon um, suicidal ideation. So just a heads up for that book, but it's truly excellent. It is The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. That book sounds amazing, and you did such a great job talking about it, and now I'm going to ruin it with my super bloody horror book and just (laughs) do something completely different. (laughs) We contain multitudes. I love it. Let's go. (laughs) So uh, before I start talking about this book, as you just heard me say, uh, if you are squeamish about discussions of blood, there's going to be a little bit in this one, so a heads up. Uh, But today is the final book the release of the final book in the Molly Southbourne trilogy. It is The Legacy of Molly Southbourne by Tade Thompson. I have not read this one, but I loved the first two books in this series, The Murders of Molly Southbourne and The Survival of Molly Southbourne. I think I talked about the first one on the podcast at, at one point, but I, I felt like it was worth mentioning these again because I love them so much. Uh, Molly Southbourne is a young woman who is born with... A mildly small problem in that every time she bleeds, if she gets like a scratch or she pricks her finger or she gets a splinter, that drop of blood grows into a new version of her, like an identical version of her, except it's a murderous version of her and it tries to kill her. Oh, oh my God. And so she has to be like, at first she's a baby. Her parents have to be very careful that nothing happens to her. And then as she gets older... You know, she has to be very careful that nothing happens. You know, she can't run around and she can't get injured and stuff because, you know, but like try as she might, these things happen. And so what happens is, bloop, something grows up into her and tries to murder her. Uh, So she spends a lot of her time murdering versions of herself. Uh, And it's like, why does this happen? Where did Molly come from? How did she get like this? And can she be cured? It's just this really fun horror sci-fi series. I loved, you know, I can't, this is how, the last book is explaining, like, how it wraps up, but I can't give you a synopsis for this book uh, without spoiling the other two books in the series, so I'm not going to do that. But these books are just so intense and, like, grisly, you know, like, just the very concept of it is like, wow, that's just wild and 
I, I love it so much. And also it's a metaphor for like fighting your demons. You know, she's struggling with herself. And I just love this book so much. And I want to give content warnings, you know, for violence and murder and all different kinds of murder because she's, you know, has to try and murder herself all the time and, you know, gore. But, oh, I cannot, I, like, I know it's a trilogy, but I am kind of hoping it'll be one of those trilogies that's like, you know, Douglas Adams or something where it's like, we're going to have five or six or seven books in this trilogy. Uh, so this one, the last one is The Legacy of Molly Southbourne by Tade Thompson. But you want to start with The Murders of Molly Southbourne. I had never heard of that and now I need it. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's wild and just so original, and I also think about it all the time. It's fun. Oh, love it. All right, so my next pick is kind of like a standalone type sequel sort of deal because it's the next book in a romance series, and uh, I personally love it when like romance series like they're each a standalone. You can read them out of order, but um, they are like all set within like same friend groups or the same world. So that is kind of the deal here. So my pick is From Bad to Cursed by Lena Harper. It is the second book in the um, Thistle Grove Witches series. The first one was Paybacks a Witch, which came out last fall. And I don't think I read it for this show, but I did read it and I loved it. So um, Paybacks a Witch is about two witches from like this original four families that founded the town of Thistle Grove, which is this really magical, delightful small town somewhere in the middle of Illinois. And um, the farther away the witches of Thistle Grove get from the town, like their magic um, diminishes. So um, the community is kind of insular and they're pretty tight um, and they have been for centuries and generations, but um, they've also become a bit of a tourist attraction um, with each of the families kind of providing a different sort of service and or touristy attraction as well as like having this sort of secret underground like purpose and for like the town's magic so the first um book paybacks a witch was about two witches from different families falling in love um it is delightful you know lesbian romance the second book is um has a a female and a male character falling in love. And it is about Isadora Avramov. And she's kind of like, you know, that girl that you see and you're like, man, she's just pretty dark. Like the, she's from the darker side of the families and she summons demons for fun because it gives her like an adrenaline rush. So Isadora is also in charge of running her family's arcane emporium haunted house. So the haunted house attraction is mostly for tourists and they don't use magic to, um, you know, make the haunted house more interesting or realistic because, you know, that could potentially unleash demons on the unsuspecting public. Um, So she really uses her skills as a fashion designer and she has like an eye for you know, set and story and just kind of like creating this immersive experience. And so like at the beginning of the book, she's set up this like very 80s sort of prom gone wrong, um, young witch comes into her power sort of narrative for this haunted house. And it's really successful. And her mom, who's the matriarch of the family, is pretty pleased with it. 
But Isadora has a secret, and that is she wants to leave the family business. She doesn't want to leave Thistle Grove, but she wants to um, become a clothing designer, and she wants to make, like, ready-to-wear clothing for normal people. Um, Nothing witchy or spooky or anything. But she's not really sure how to tell her family that, because she's a part of this really close-knit family, and part of being part of the family is being a part of the family business. Um, so it's, um, coming up on Beltane and there's a festival both for the families as they kind of do their magic rituals, but then there's also a lot of tourists coming in for the more touristy events. And, um, as this is happening, one of the rival families, um, it's the Thorn family, um, they're hosting this sort of ritual gathering and somebody gets really, really badly hurt and immediately the Avramovs are suspected because they're the dark family of this whole town. And they're the ones that are, you know, consulting with ghosts and they're necromancers and talking to demons. So clearly they must be at fault because the Thorns are all about like having an orchard and magic that's all about growing plants and light and cottage core, that sort of stuff. So... Um, Issa's not too happy that her family's been accused, and so she must team up with a member of the Thorn family to investigate and figure out, you know, what's going on. And of course, Rowan is somebody that she absolutely cannot stand because he's like this goody two-shoes, and they've actually hated each other since childhood. But as they team up to figure out who's trying to sabotage Beltane, they realize that they don't really know each other. And in fact, they might actually really like each other quite a bit. So this is a really fun um, book. I did not quite finish it by the time I sat down to record, but I was super immersed into it. I think that just like the whole concept of this town and the world is really charming and really great. It's kind of like practical magic, but with like a slightly different darker and sexier twists but at the same time i would not say that these romances are like extremely steamy they've got a little bit of steam but they're not like you know burn your tongue type of steam i don't know that's a really bad analogy um but anyhow so really enjoyed this um i'm hoping that we will see more of the witches of thistle grove because i can think of at least two other characters that i would like to see a romance for so that is from bad to cursed by lena harper well, all right. So those are books that we have read for the most part. And now we are going to talk about more of today's releases that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. And I'm going to kick it off with a book that I have read. Huzzah! <laughs> it is The Cherry Robbers by Saray Walker. Uh, her debut was Dietland, which came out several years ago and was amazing and was made into a TV show for a season, I think, with Juliana Margulies, which I didn't get to see, but I really want to see it. And this, her second, is a fantastic feminist work of gothic fiction, which I had the chance to interview her a couple of weeks ago, and she did not set out to write a book of gothic fiction. It just kind of turned out that way. So it takes place in two parts. The first starts in New Mexico in 2017, and we meet a famous painter named Sylvia Wren. Sylvia receives a letter from a journalist that says, basically, "Uh, hey, you know, I heard this story about this family of sisters in Connecticut many years ago, the Chapel Sisters, and they were doomed. They had a nursery rhyme written about them, which was something like, first they were married, then they were buried, because every sister died after she got married, 
But I heard that one sister escaped and they don't know what happened to her and where she went. And I think it's you. And Sylvia's like, ah, damn. Because (laughs) this is not a spoiler. Sylvia is indeed the missing sister, Irish Chapel. And so then it takes us back to 1950s in Connecticut. There are, I think, six sisters. It's the Chapel family. Uh, they're loosely based on the Winchester family. Uh, they sell guns. They made their fortune selling guns. And the mother is indeed haunted by the ghosts of all the victims that were killed with the guns her, her family made, uh, which is, again, like the Winchester widow who supposedly built that house with all the rooms that go nowhere to escape the ghosts. Uh, And this mother also has terrible visions about her daughters, but they're like growing up and they, they want to do the things that they're supposed to do, which is like get married and have children at this point. You know, that's what women are told they're supposed to do and they want to get out of the house. So as Iris's sisters marry uh, one by one, this is not a spoiler, you know, they die and Iris does not want to meet the same fate as her sisters. Like no surprise. And so we find out like, what happened, how Iris got away, how she ended up as Sylvia Wren in New Mexico. It's this look at history. You know, like I said, like when marriage and motherhood were supposed to be the only goals that women had. And in the book, these things are like the literal end for these women. And it's just fantastic. It gave me like the the stuff with the sisters, like all the sisters are named for flowers. And it gave me kind of like virgin suicide vibes, like how close they were. And I just thought it was really smart and really interesting. Uh, the title is from a D.H. Lawrence poem. I learned that. That was one of the things I, I picked up from the interview, which I thought was cool. And yeah, I do want to give content warnings for discussions of mental illness, forced hospitalization, domestic abuse, sexual assault, illness and death of a loved one, and suicide and suicidal thoughts. This is... The Cherry Robbers, which also has, like, the most amazing cover, by the way. Uh, and it's by Saray Walker. <sighs> and I just have to say very briefly that it's really dangerous recording a podcast episode with you, like, the day before I know that I'm going to go into a bookstore because I'm like, I need to buy all of these. <laughs> um, <laughs> just doing my job, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, too well. Um, my wallet is crying out. Um, <laughs> so my next pick is Gideon Green in Black and White by Katie Henry. And I have not read this yet, but I'm really excited. Um, Katie Henry wrote, um, this will be funny someday. Um, let's call it a doomsday. Um, and Heretics Anonymous, which I've only read a couple of those books, but I love her writing. She's very, very funny. And she writes really, really good contemporary YA. So Gideon Green is about this guy named Gideon, who, when he was in middle school, he had like this um, short, sort of like short run of fame as this boy detective who solved cases. And he was kind of like locally famous and everyone was like, oh, yeah, that's Gideon Green. And then, you know, middle school happened and his best friend who helped him out with his cases kind of moved on. But he was always like, no, this is so cool. And he he held on to that. Now it's he's in high school. He's no longer solving mysteries, although he still really loves um, film noir. And his best friend Lily shows up and she needs his help with a mystery. And so he reluctantly agrees. And together they go to the school newspaper and they're getting involved in this mystery. And um, I don't really know what the mystery is because the product description is a little bit vague, but I am intrigued. And so it's about them trying to solve this mystery and having to confront that, you know, things aren't always black and white. 
I honestly, I loved This Will Be Funny Someday so much that I don't even care what this book is about. I know I'm going to read it. But as a cherry on top, I was talking with Katie on Twitter and she informed me that there is a very lovable golden retriever in this book. So, so um, that is Gideon Green in Black and White by Katie Henry. All right. Before I tell you about my last pick, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay, so this is pretty exciting for me because if you told me a few weeks ago that I was going to get to recommend my favorite nonfiction book on a podcast about new releases, I'd be like, what? And it's true. So my last pick for today is In Harm's Way, The Sinking of the USS Indianapolis and the Extraordinary Story of Its Survivors by Doug Stanton, the 20th Anniversary Revised and Updated Edition. This book, oh my goodness, I am going to talk about it forever. Tears are you're probably going to have to be like, all right, that's enough, like, cut it out. <laughs> so in 2001, I read Close to Shore by Michael Capuzzo, which was about the 1916 shark attacks, which they loosely based Jaws on. Like, I love the movie Jaws. I was like, I'm going to read this book about sharks. And I became completely fascinated with sharks. And I wanted to read everything that I could about sharks. And lo and behold, at that same time, this book came out in 2001. And so... This is the story of the sinking of the USS Indianapolis on July 30th, 1945, which was the worst naval disaster in World War II history and basically in history. And the USS Indianapolis was sent to deliver one of the bombs to Japan. And because it was a very top secret mission, very few people knew that they were out there on this boat in the Pacific. And on the way back, due to a series of mishaps and miscommunications... When the boat was torpedoed by a Japanese submarine and started to sink, no one really knew they were out there. No one knew it was happening. So if you've watched Jaws and Quint does that speech when they're below deck about, you know, this many went into the water and this many came out, that's what this is the story of. 900 men on the boat when it was torpedoed, uh, they went into the water and days later, 316 were left. They stayed in the ocean for several days. And the rest of them mostly lost their lives to sharks. It's just, it's devastating. And also just riveting. Um, It's one of those books where you're like, did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Because you're just reading it and you're like, oh, that's so terrible. Like the miscommunication and and it's fascinating. And also the captain of this boat, Charles B. McVeigh III, he was the only captain to ever be court-martialed and convicted of losing his ship in U.S. history. Even though the captain of the Japanese submarine that sank the USS Indianapolis, like, this is after the war is over, this is court, he testified for the defense for this captain saying there was nothing that he could have done. Like, he didn't do the wrong maneuvers, he didn't do anything wrong, we literally just rose up and there was this boat, like, we just got very, very lucky. He was still convicted. Um, And in 1996, he was pardoned. And his record was cleared in part because a high school student started studying the story of this and was asking questions about, like, you know, this this captain. And for this book, Stanton talked to the survivors, like, who were still alive at this time when he wrote it, you know, 20-something years ago. And now, at the time of the revised edition that is coming out, when he did a new afterword and added some more information at the end, 11 of these men were still alive, which is just mind-blowing. But one of the important facts that was left out of the first book that, you know, he wanted to correct is that back when he wrote the first book, there was very little known 
about the dozens of Black crew members who were aboard the ship. And so he wanted to add their stories to this book. It's amazing. I mean, it sounds so weird to be like, this is my favorite book. And oh my goodness, it's a horrible tragedy. But I just, I, I couldn't stop reading it. And so many things. It's just, ugh. I just want to put my head down on the desk now. I just, I love it so much. And when they said, would you like to, you know, get a new edition? And I was like, yes, yes, I would. So I'm very excited about this in case you couldn't tell. Uh, this is In Harm's Way, The Sinking of the USS Indianapolis and the Extraordinary Story of Its Survivors by Doug Stanton. This is the revised and updated 20th anniversary edition. And also I want to add that if you're fascinated by what you're hearing, you can also go online. There were a lot of taped interviews on Book TV. Um, with the survivors when he was doing his tour back when this came out. So that's also amazing to watch. Okay, I'll stop talking about it now. No, that's great. And I remember, I I can't remember when I first heard about this story. Maybe like I was watching a documentary with my dad, but like the idea that they court-martialed that captain was just like horrible. Like, oh. All right. Um, So my final pick that I'm excited about is a new book by Rachel Lynn Solomon called See You Yesterday. And I have to admit, I have not read any of Rachel Lynn Solomon's YA books. She has quite a few at this point. um, And she's written a few adult uh, romance. And I actually just read my first um, one by her, Weather Girl, um, a few weeks ago. But... See You Yesterday is a time loop story, and Liberty, I know you and I share a fondness for the movie Palm Springs. Oh! <laughs> so good. It's the best best movie I've watched in years. Yes, it truly is. It's on Hulu. If you have not seen it, we both highly endorse it. Um, so this is another time loop um, sort of story, um, which there's actually quite a few of them coming out in YA this year. Um, so that's exciting. Um, but this one is about Barrett. She is just starting college and she's really excited to be starting college because she did not have a great time in high school, but her first day of college goes horribly, horribly awry. Like all of these mishaps happen, like embarrassment, you know, bombing an interview, she, like, meets this really, really unpleasant person in her physics class. She inadvertently starts a fire. Just, like, the worst day imaginable. And she goes to bed and she wakes up the next morning and it's that day again. And so at first she's like, you know, what the hell? Because that's generally, I think, what would be your first reaction if you decide to just repeat a day. Um, and nobody was acting like that was, you know, not not really normal. But... She realizes through her actions and her words that the guy that she had this horrible confrontation with that she thinks is deeply unpleasant, he is also stuck in that time loop. And he is like, oh, great, you're here too now. Um, So they try to fix each other's timelines, trying to find a way out. They're also like exploring their world. You know, what sort of things would you not do? if you knew that there were no consequences because you could just wake up the next day and you'd have this automatic reset. Um, So I am excited to read this. I also like it that, you know, the whole Groundhog Day classic movie. And of course I enjoy that, but I like that we're seeing more sort of time loop stories that approach things at a slightly different angle. Um, So this idea that like, like with Palm Springs, she meets somebody and they're also stuck in this loop together and now they have to work together. 
that's like less creepy than the whole like I know everything about you and I can like manipulate the situation in order to make you fall in love with me. <clears throat> Groundhog Day. So anywho, I'm excited about this one. It is See You Yesterday by Rachel Lynn Solomon. Awesome. I'm gonna have to put that on my list. So those are books that we have read or are excited to read. Now we're going to do a quick lightning round with some paperbacks, but would you like to tell us about the first one since I see <laughs> these exclamation marks next to it? Yes. Um, Perfectly Parveen by Olivia Abtahi. It's out in paperback today. Super excited about this. It has a brand new gorgeous cover. It is another YA book and it stars a 14-year-old Iranian-American girl who um, has just been dumped on her first day of high school. And so she sets out to find a homecoming date. And I know that sounds like kind of shallow, you know, high school hijinks, but this book is just so amazing. It's so funny. It's so like rich in character and I loved it so much. Also, I think we need more YA books starring like 14 and 15 year olds. So this is awesome. It's Perfectly Parveen by Olivia Abtahi. And she has another um, YA contemporary book about another 14 year old girl coming out later this summer. Awesome. I'll have to add that to my list as well. Uh, And a few more that are worth mentioning today. Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid is coming out. Taylor Jenkins reads of Daisy Jones and the Six and the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. This one is about four famous siblings who throw an epic party to celebrate the end of summer. It takes place over 24 hours. And also, Taylor Jenkins Reid has a new book coming in August, August 30th. It's called Carrie Soto is Back. Also out today is Floaters Poems by Martine Espada, which is worth mentioning because it won the National Book Award for Poetry. And also it out is Let the Record Show, A Political History of Act Up New York, 1987 to 1993 by Sarah Schulman, who worked on this book for 20 years. It's the most comprehensive political history ever assembled of Act Up and American AIDS activism. Is nominated for like a gazillion awards, including the Gotham Book Prize, the ALA Stonewall Israel Fishman Nonfiction Award, the Lambda Literary LGBTQ Nonfiction Award. It was a New York Times notable book, a New York Times editor's choice, long listed for like a zillion other things. So that is also out in paperback today. So, Tirza, those are our new books and our cat stories. And <laughs> what are you going to read next? I am really excited because I mentioned I'm going to the bookstore tomorrow and I'm going to pick up When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. The cover is gorgeous. The concept is wildly intriguing. Everything about this book, I'm just like, yes, I do want to read. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to immediately sit down and read it because I'm just so intrigued. Yeah, I bought it a couple days ago because the cover is just so gorgeous. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. I, one of my first books that I want to read for my vacation, I talked about one of them on the last episode. The other one is The Thirteen and a Half Lives of Captain Blue Bear, the first in the Zamonia series by Walter Mowers. This book is bananas. It's like if Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett and Dr. Seuss were, and Roald Dahl were all put in a blender and mixed up. It's just, it's just the most bananas thing that you can think of. Like, Captain Blue Bear is 
literally what he sounds like. He's a giant blue bear. He's the captain of a ship. He's in Zamonia. He and his crew travel around. He's had 26 adventures or 27 adventures, but these are just the first 13 and a half. Uh, and he goes to these bananas places where there's all these different kinds of creatures that you could never imagine. I'm just like, how can one person pack in this much creativity and originality? And it's it's just, it's a classic now. I mean, it's been out for a really long time. I remember when we first heard about it, I used to work at the, at the bookstore at that time, and we just blew through all of his backlist after we read this because we were like, oh, this was amazing. So much fun. And while it does, it's got a cartoon bear on the front. And while it does look and sound like a book for children, it is definitely for adults. Not like there's a lot of adult content, but it's written for adults. And I also want to read Moon and the Mars by Kia Corthran. I picked up a copy of this. I started reading it on eGalley, but then it was like an enormous novel. And I was like, I really want like a physical big chunky book. Like I want this in my hand. So I bought a copy and then quickly, like, it got lost in the stack, so now I've dug it out, and I'm gonna read this. It's called The Moon and the Mars. Very excited about that. So, books, 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 books. Ta-da! That's all for today. Yay! Don't forget, you can go to bookriot.com slash listener survey, and you'll have a chance to win a $50 gift card to the indie bookstore of your choice. We want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Tirza hangs out on Twitter at Tirza Price. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. We would love it if you would do that because it helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.